mindfulness mode. Bring mindfulness to our listening of music. Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness here in Mindfulness Mode with me, your host and Mindfulness Life Coach, Bruce Langford. Hey, Mindful Tribe. You know I love music. I'm a musician. We talk about music quite a bit. We have musical guests on. Well, today I have another musical guest, and he is an absolute... Well, I was going to say he's the pinnacle. He's just absolutely an amazing guest. I'm so excited to tell you who it is. He's been uh, a practitioner and teacher of yoga, meditation, mindfulness, and science-based science-based self-mastery and optimal living practices. Well, he has so much on his bio, I can tell you. I'm here with Frank Fitzpatrick today. Frank, are you in mindfulness mode? I'm in mindfulness mode. I try to be in mindfulness mode each present moment, yes. Well, I'm sure that you are most of the time. Frank, tell us what mindfulness means to you. Well, mindfulness means is I just uh, sort of express to be present, you know, and to be present to the internal actions or thoughts and the external energy and, and activities around us. So um, that's a simple definition, but there's many, to me, there's layers of mindfulness. So mindfulness, I see mindfulness as core to self-mastery. And so the mindful self-knowledge and that level of mindfulness and self-observation is one, but then mindfulness of the energy environment and those around us is, a, is yet another level, right? It is. And Mindful Tribe, I'm going to tell you a little bit more about Frank. He's also a multi-platinum record producer, a Grammy-nominated songwriter, a social entrepreneur, an author, and an award-winning filmmaker. And uh, wow, he's just done so many things. He's a contributor to Forbes, founder of earthtones.org's Why Music Initiative. And I would say Uh, This is a great sentence at the end of your bio, Frank. It says, Frank is a leading voice at the intersection of music, wellness, technology, and human potential. So, Frank, let's talk about your book, Amplified, Unleash Your Potential Through the Power of Music. Wow, I loved it. I think it's absolutely phenomenal because it, it tells in a way that I have never heard expressed before. It tells how important music is to every single one of us. So how did you come to write this book and come up with this actual topic? Because you've got so many, so much knowledge and so many topics you could have written on. Well, I've been committed to the topics of this book since, uh, since I was a 12 year old kid struggling with the streets of Detroit. And, um, discovered that music was my lifeline. And uh, if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't be able to do this podcast here with you today. But the, um, you know, so the topic of the book has been present as uh, almost a calling, a vocation um, in my beingness for that hasn't let go of me, (laughs) has chosen me, I haven't necessarily chosen it or her. And, um, and so it's evolved into eventually into this book as a way to get the information that I've been blessed with and the gifts that I've been given and what I've learned over my 40 year professional journey into the hands of as many people as possible in this time when it's 
when there's a real gap in the availability of resources and knowledge about what music can do for our mental health, for our well-being, for tapping into our potential when we really need it, um, and and the amount of need and what's actually available. So I just felt it was really kind of very timely to get it out and into the hands of as many people as possible so they could really have these alternative, not even alternative, they're very primary and, and solutions using what we already love, most of us music, you know? In yeah. The, I love how you personify music as a woman. She, you know, like, where did you come up with that idea? Has that been the way you think about music since, a, since you were a child? No, there was a turning point for me. Um, you know, there was, I was working in Brazil and I was invited to help launch this, um, the first music education and technology program through technology to 240,000 schools, 43 million kids um, with the government and a publisher there. It ended up going up in flames as many big projects do. But at the time I was looking at the material I was offering and presenting and, and trying to convince and persuade teachers and parents and administrators on why this was important and then to make it engaging for the kids and engaging for people. And I read the subject, you know, the list of like the table of contents of the topics. And I thought, well, you know, this is like a, this is a music's engaging. This is a textbook. No, you know, we're not going to get teachers. We're not, nobody's going to, I said, what's, you know, I've been working for 30 years in Hollywood. You know, what are the geniuses of Hollywood? Like the Walt Disney's, what do they do to make us, fall in love and get engaged with something, they personify it, right? They, yes. Like there's, you know, Disney made his whole, this massive world global enterprise out of personifying a mouse and a duck. <laughs> so, did. But, you know, not to minimize it in that way, but then I looked deeper and I thought, okay, well, um, Beethoven, I was always captured by this quote of Beethoven and I might butcher it a little bit, but Beethoven said there's, Music is a form of higher intelligence that understands us as human beings, but that we're yet to fully understand. And I thought about this and I thought, well, so that means that music is this kind of spirit or this persona that can, that comes into our life. We don't, and how does it come into our life? It comes into our life as a friend when we need, when we're, when we need a friend, when we, when we're trying to heal and overcome grief or physical healing or as a teacher when we want to learn better and focus better and comes into our life in all these ways it kind of shows up as this persona and um, I even did a TEDx talk years ago called the seven faces of music that's based on this framework and I just found that by um, shifting our relationship from music to music is something that we do unto or that you know that we do as to music comes, shows up for us, we don't have to do anything. You know, it's unconditionally loves us care. You know, it, it works with our DNA. It shifts our brain cells. It shifts our biologic biology. And it's not that we have to make it do it. It does it, you know, it's, and when we, there's very few people I think on this call who can't name one time in their life when music didn't show up when they were in a time of need or wasn't, 
fully present when they were celebrating and thriving in life, you know? Yeah, you're so it's the best right. guest to have at the party. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I just identify with that so much because as a young boy, that was everything to me was playing the piano. I just had to play the piano every single day. And I just, that was just the way it was. I, I didn't think life could be any different. And when my parents said, well, we're going to go away on a vacation or something, I'm like, okay, well, so how am I going to play the piano every day? Like, just right, that was my right, first right, question. Right, right. And so then later I became a music teacher and have just absolutely loved having music as part of my life. And and so I totally identified with your book, but a big part of your book is helping people who have lost that connection too, because sometimes we have the connection as children and even teenagers, but then as adults, we seem to lose that connection to the creative. And you, right. are, you are teaching us in the book how to rekindle that connection. Tell us, how do we do it? Well, there's a number of ways. I mean, first of all, we have, it's to recognize the way that we've been taught about music for the last 500 years in Western society is we're trained to be a performer, you know, and so that we can be a top performer or so that we can make money off of, you know, commoditized music, right? So this, this narrows our pathway. We're not taught you know, okay, when you, you know, how to use music to help heal you, how to use music to build your relationships, how to use music to do each of these things. We're not taught this where the yeah. prior to it being a performance medium and a, a commodity where they could, we could sell anything from sheet music to recordings. That was, it was fundamentally part of everybody in the tribe and the, and the way that people communicated and built relationships and, and, um, and raise their children into mindfulness and other practices and, and self-awareness and self-knowing. And, and so it wasn't separated in this way. So we come out of this path of a long journey of a heritage of separating this path into a very narrow bandwidth. And what that does to, to many people and many of us, you know, who are trained that way, that we may train for 15 years to be really good at the piano. But if we don't, if we, decide that we can't make it as, you know, or violin, we can't make it as a first chair of violin and, you know, one of the leading orchestras, then we got to go get a job as, you know, an engineer or something else. Well, then, then there's something wrong with us. You know, like we're not good enough. Yes. So suddenly we live under this auspice that music, we're not good enough, but good enough to who? Music doesn't judge us. No. It's a judging of a historical framework that we're grown into. So the first step in bringing people back, you know, who who have lost that connection is to break that, you know, break that identification of music as something you have to do and perform. It's not something you have to do and perform. It's something that is there for you to receive. And even if, you know, even playing the piano, um, as you know, as you've been playing long enough, but it usually takes somebody a long time, even to get a mastery level to understand, to really receive the music and let it play, play them. Yes. And through them, as opposed to trying to perform the piano, you know? Yes. You know? I, I, I agree completely. And so, and that's not taught, you know, that's, that's you, you do enough years, you experience that you do enough years of falling on your face or experience ways that, you know, music works in your life, you kind of find your way into it. But, you know, my goal is to really be, you know, give people, you know, really practical, 
pragmatic ways they can use music in their everyday life to reconnect to it and not to just to reconnect to it but through music to reconnect what they've lost in themselves because ultimately the book is about music and but the book is really about about you bruce how do you and the reader how do you tap into a knowing of yourself you are the instrument you know music is just a gift that like breath that passes through you you know yes Yes. When I was in college, I, well, I, I just went out and I got piano bar jobs playing music. And I thought I, I, because I had to earn enough money to get through college, you know, and, and then I, I thought, where else can I get a job? So then I, I got a job at a church doing the music there. And then I got a job at a second church because I could go to first one service and then the second one. And, and I remember I would be playing the music in these uh, dining rooms, you know, restaurants and dining rooms and i remember thinking it's just the strangest thing all i have to do is just move my hands over the keys and this music comes out and i remember (laughs) thinking that very clearly like i i i I don't need to think at all it just happens wow isn't that the coolest thing and that's kind of what you describe in the book right well there's actually you know there's in terms of like meditation mindfulness you know there's an exercise I do, and I'll do it with really advanced players. Like, you know, you can do this. It's called the black notes, or I do it with somebody who's never is scared to play a piano and never touched one before. And, and it's really, you know, it's, it's all about breathing, connecting with the, you know, eyes closed, connecting with themselves and then the instrument and just feeling it in their fingertips, but not having to play anything but the black notes. So they don't have to open their eyes and they don't have to think about dissonance in the right next note. And, and so suddenly it becomes a pathway to an inner meditation. You know, it's um, as opposed, you know, we don't, we don't learn meditation by having to perform meditation. We don't mm-hmm. learn mindfulness. <laughs> you know? So why should we have to perform, be a musical performer? There's nothing wrong with being a musical performer. It's a great, you know, the, the craft and the, you know, the trade and, and, you know, is 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 not less than a noble one but at the same time it's not everybody's path That's and it shouldn't have to be the path just to enjoy the benefits of music so the goal is in the book is really to bring help people really direct those benefits in a way that those either those old thought systems don't get in the way and and you know other you know and they or they don't believe they're not good enough it's just to get rid of the not good enough you know yeah and that's we all have that in us i think somewhere that not good enough that i'm not enough and and through music we can truly find the answer to that let's talk about earthtones.org tell me about that uh well earthtones came about i was um you know i've done a lot of work in the music business and the film business and um you know, I went into it specifically with this dream as a kid on how how can I help you know millions of kids in the world um, have access to and in, and be able to enjoy music as this resource to help them through some of their hardest times and their times in need and and um, so I thought well the first role is you know to get you know to become like Quincy Jones and follow in his footsteps so I actually you know have that can reach people and 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 so I you know followed that path and then. And then, some, and then, you know, the film path, I realized that the, the marriage of story and music became even more powerful transformational tool to put out into the world. And, and then I got to a point where I was 
doing gigs, you know, it's like you're talking about, okay, you're playing in the bar because it's the next one you can do and they'll pay you, you know? Yeah, that's and right. I, I'm not in the world um, to just do music gigs unless they're doing something, putting something into the world that I'm here for. And um, Hollywood's not necessarily dedicated to that. There's a lot of good people in Hollywood and there's a lot of good, there is a lot of good content, but there's a lot of stuff that I didn't really want to do, even if it was going to pay the rent, because it's not why my soul force had come into this body and been given this gift to, to, you know, to bring out into the world. So, so then I started something I don't recommend, <laughs> a nonprofit. And, um, and that was, you know, dedicating to taking what I learned from, from my experience. Um, I learned a lot from being, for example, a film composer, because I, you know, could transform what, you know, 50 million people thought in a matter of a minute you know, or 90 minutes, um, just without them even knowing it through the, you know, the sub narrative of music in a great narrative. And how do I use these, bring these to leaders and, and children and teachers. And so that's um, why Earth Tones was born was to really f focus now on those, um, the aspects of this for those in need, you know, and, and especially that now the next generation, because you know, we haven't paved the prettiest of paths for them when you talk about yeah. mindfulness. That's so, right. you know, I was, it was, a, it was, a, I guess, a, if you really think about it in the context of what you speak about, it was a mindfulness awakening for me. It's like I was, you know, yoga, doing my yoga practice one day and I, you know, came in a class and I, and I realized I can't put that out in the world. You know, I, I'm here to put something else in the world, you know, and, and so it, that became, you know, a shift for me, you know, kind of. When did you first discover yoga and, and find that it was something that really empowered you and helped you? Well, yoga was like a, it was like, you know, music was the saved my life at 12. Yoga saved my life at 25. So, so I would, I had, uh, I grew up with, um, I came to it through, like many people through physical struggles. You know, I had scoliosis as a kid and it got worse and worse. And I went through, I was working in the film and music film business. And I, um, I, I was just in excruciating back pain all the time. And they wanted to put a spine up my, um, I mean, a rod up my spine. And I thought, well, that doesn't make much sense. So then I thought, okay, I'm going to learn everything I can do. Where can I go? How can I do this in another way? Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, you know, I happened, people sent me to yoga, I started swimming, you know, and I ended up in yoga in a class, you know, and it just, um, it just became, I was home, you know, it just became the beginning of a 35 year journey um, that opened up a whole new inner world for me. And that, you know, probably one of my deepest uh, entries into true mindfulness and, and all the practices that are associated with that pranayama and breath and, and um, a deeper level of self-awareness and, you know, I, I called the scoliosis a, a, a blessing disguised as a curse because it, it brought me to that place. And as long as I did the practice regularly um, and still do, I don't have any pain. And I'm, I'm standing, you get to see me, your audience can't, but I'm standing straight before you. And I, you know, running, you know, I'm a high performer racer and doing all kinds of things and, you know, train people and do, you know, so it's, I'm, it, you know and been practicing yoga for 35 years so so you're a runner as well yeah i'm a easy i'm an easy runner i i um i broke both my knees in high school so i i didn't pursue running until um we had i was doing a i trained 
in high performance training coach in that area, you know, so not so much in just the athletic side, but I had to do a number of athletic achievements to um, earn that side of, you know, that side of it. So it's now I'm committed. I've been on a seven year exploration to get a year younger every year. <laughs> okay. And, uh, and part of that is, is hitting some uh, athletic mark that I never would have achieved earlier in my life, you know? I see. So, yeah. You've done so many things in your life, Frank. What are you most proud of? Huh. Um, I'm very proud of the work that's brought and the people that I've been able to spend time with that have come together to pour the information and knowledge into the book. Not so much as a book, but as a as the next level channel of being able to bring the work out into the world. The, you know, we we hit number one in the first week out um, in a number of really interesting categories, including holistic health and, and creativity, <laughs> genius of, you know, the psychology of genius and creativity. That was pretty exciting for me, but which is, you know, for a music book. But, you know, those accolades kind of come and go. What I'm most proud of is really being blessed with a path where I can bring people real effective tools and knowledge so that they can find calm in the midst of chaos and find strength and 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 really tap into a self-knowing and self-mastery and really fulfill their potential while they're here. That's why I'm here is to, you know, my I'm most proud of every person that I help. That's where my, you know, pride comes from. And you make that clear in the book. And you open the book, and the first thing you see is a message from Herbie Hancock. Now that's pretty incredible. So is he one of the first people that had the opportunity to read the book? Yeah, he, he endorsed early on, and, and I'm really grateful for that. And um, he's been, I've known, I first met Herbie 40 years ago when he did when he did a, you're a piano player. So I was producing concerts when I was at the, in Ann Arbor at the University of Michigan, and, and uh, we did a duet series with him and Chick Corea. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> so that's wow. when I first met here. So as a piano player, you would appreciate that. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And then the foreword is by Dr. Daniel Levitin. And wow, it's a powerful foreword as well. And have you known him for a long time as well? Well, his book was a seminal book for me, and it's a seminal book in the field. It's called This Is Your Brain on Music. Yes. And um, so that's really what took me in the shift from you know, my approach to music is an experiential approach, you know, to really diving into deeply into the neuroscience of it, how the brain works. And, and so that took me on yet another deep dive down a rabbit hole to learn all about, um, you know, the, the, the deepest knowledge that we have in the area of health and, and uh, neuroscience. And so he's been a mentor for years and and uh, I was really he offered to write the forward and I was really honored to have him do so and and it didn't come without a you know a challenge he said well you know because he his first read I'll tell you a little story because it's not in the book because his first read and this is mindfulness right because you know we want to be mindful of what we put out in the world mm -hmm. um, and he found some a piece of less incredible research you know and that study I'd mentioned and he said well you know I can't do this now because mm -hmm. you know I have to be mindful of my reputation and what I stand for in the in the field and I said and I said oh, okay well what would you recommend and he said well I'd recommend you have you know go through it all again and have a neuro you know uh, neuroscience 
team of neuroscientists or scientists look at it and make sure that everything is valid, you know, revalidated. And, uh, and so I did that, you know, <laughs> and then wow. I called him back two weeks later. And I said, you know, this neuroscientist, you know, this person, you know, this health specialist, and they've all gone through the book. We've removed some things. We've added some new things. And, and, um, you know, would you take a look again? And he was, he said, you're the first person I ever told to do that, that I actually did it. Wow. <laughs> so, so, um, but I thank him because again, it's, uh, you know, I mean, you, you know, you know, just being mindful, I want to show up fully in the world, um, in complete integrity in whatever I do that to me is part of my mindfulness and mastery, whatever you will. And so it was a gift, you know, it's like, yeah. you know, it knocked me off my chair and, <laughs> you know, when you, after you put glue the toy back together, then, you know, I might play with it with you, you know, it's like, but that's what a blessing that was because I wouldn't have done it otherwise, you know, somebody else would have just read it off and signed it, you know, it's like, sure. Well, let's talk about the science behind music being so important to us and, and mindfulness as well. Tell us about the science that backs all this up. Well, there's quite a bit, you know, there's, if yeah. you look, uh, you know, on the scientific references in the book, it's, it's not an, you know, just for the people listening, I don't want you to get become afraid that it's an academic book. Cause no, um, it isn't. It's, not, it's not an academic read, but it is a qualified, um, you know, in that or validated, whatever you want to say in that way. So, you know, there's the most fascinating thing. So we have, you know, knowledge about the science around what it does with memory and what it does with focus and what it does with, you know, in terms of sleep pre um, preparation and, and um, helping with meditation for people who need access that don't have, that are having challenges with that or want to take it to another level, what it does in performance and sports. And so there's science in each of these areas. Um, and, um, and there's, there's, and there's a collect, and there's a collective piece that, is is challenging to scientists and at once beautiful because it's it's because it's you it's the personal preferential build of your experience over time with music defines a, a lot of the way that music affects you so you can't actually say so there's no one size fits all you know everybody you know mothers you know performers everybody says like ask me all the time it's like okay i want the playlist that's going to make me the best right yeah <laughs> right? well well then we got to work that out because we need to know what makes you the best right it's not like you know it's, i can't give the same one like this is going to make everybody more focused this is going to make everybody you know this play record is going to make everybody more relaxed this record's going to make everybody you know you know have better relation, whatever, you know, you, right. whatever problem you're trying to solve. But I can tell you that there's, there's because of the neuroscience and the neurochemicals that are released and the way that it creates bonding and the way that it creates shifts in the, in the, um, you know, neurological structure of our mind and, and this, you know, how we experience our perceptions in a number of different ways that, um, and these are all validated and for, you know, mostly recently in, you know, modern science, but for thousands of years and in, in other areas of science and agent wisdom, right? So there's the it's exciting because it's um like like the path of self-awareness, it's it's a never-ending journey. There's always so much more to learn. And and the best way for someone to learn about it, the book's a primer, but then the practice of what works for you. Bruce is not going to be the same as what works for Susan 
Right. Um, yeah. Yes, there's some common, you know, but, you know, there's some baselines. But uh, yeah. so that's the, that's the beauty of it is that people get to everyone experiences and gets to experience music in a very unique and individual way. And music shows up for them. If you want to go back to that other perception in a in, in a very personal and unique and beautiful way. Right. I love how you use story in this book. You're so talented at that. And I can just see that first music teacher you described was his name, Mr. Lewis, something like that. Yeah, and Mr. Had, Keith, yes. Mr. Keith, yes. He, he had hollow eyes. <laughs> now, like hollow eyes. Oh, I had to stop and think about that for a second. And uh, I could just feel that feeling that you must have experienced, at least I felt a little bit of it anyway, right. you know, after, and it was just so well crafted the way you, you did that and the way you told stories in the book. Have you used story throughout your career? I'm assuming you probably have in one place or another. Well, I do naturally because um, I was in the, you know, I've been in the film business in for films, so long. So of course. Yeah. So story, you know, and and um music the way I, you know that i work in with music and film is music is this is a narrative but it's a subconscious narrative right. so the storyline that your people are speaking and the actions that you see are are affecting you consciously but the music is doing what you don't know it's affecting the subconscious and the emotional levels of your system but it is a narrative arc still so so it's story is i'm glad you think i'm a great storyteller i try <laughs> i have yeah. ways to go i i really appreciate story i see the power and arc of it when i was um the reason i went into film because i was it wasn't part of my upbringing it was really just music um was my passion more than uh and um i was sitting in a movie theater and i, I I tell the story in the book and I was watching, I think it was Oliver Stone's platoon and yes, it's a riveting movie and it's, you know, got a lot of um, emotion and action, but what really moved me was to score the, what the music was doing to me, you know, how it, the empathy that was building the, the perceptions that it was shifting, how much that combination of marriage of story and music put together was, was an exponentially stronger almost than either one by himself by themselves. And, and so I walked away from that experience going, you know, imagine, you know, I know what I can do in the world and helping the world and helping individuals through music. Imagine what I can do with the combination of film and music and, you know, how, what kind of transformation I can help create, you know, and that just became, you know, that was a real game changer changer for me, you know, so, um anyway so story yeah story has been integral to the to uh, you know my work i um i i will keep working on my storytelling and i appreciate your compliment <laughs> <laughs> i know that you had some challenges as you were growing up in detroit you had uh, five brothers. I had four brothers. I can kind of identify a little with that. And right. uh, I, I just wonder if you have a story about bullying, either could it be, be childhood or adulthood, where mindfulness would have made a difference that you can tell to us? You know, absolutely. Mindfulness and bullying, as you know, from your work, your beautiful work, and I commend you on it, is um, you. are deeply connected. Um, 
because it's probably, and you can correct me on this, a, you know, a child's incapacity to have self-awareness and mindfulness for themselves at first, and then to be able to create empathy out of that for others that drives bullying. Yes. And, and um, so, you know, I, I don't remember calling it bullying. I mean, I've had plenty of times I was a small kid, you know, I mean, it was like, I was like, when I entered high school, you know, that everybody was in sports and the only sports I could do was wrestling because they could take somebody who was at 98 pounds. You couldn't play football at 98 pounds and you couldn't play basketball. But, you know, I was also what we, you know, we, we refer to as, a, you know, I was a creative and, and a highly creative and a highly sensitized, or some people say an HSP or highly sensitized um, kid in a very desensitized and harsh environment. And yes. so it's not that, a, you know, you know, my brothers had love, we all had love there, you know, but it's just, there's a, there's a level of mindfulness even today that people aren't aware that there's like 20% of the 25% of the population that feels experiences at a much more intensified level. So they don't actually know when they're delivering an experience, whether they're tickling you to your pee or pants or, 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 you know, whatever it might be, or, you know, sound or whatever it might be the stimuli or, you know, um, that that was, um, that, that there's some, they might, they can't feel the level of what you're feeling. So they don't actually know that they're doing harm unto somebody. And so it becomes a, a kind of bullying without, without having that higher level of mindfulness and awareness beyond their own self-awareness, you know, yeah that yes. others have a different kind of experience, you know? Right. So, yeah. Well, it sounds like you had, a lot of goals in mind as you grew up and those goals, they just started to become reality one by one. Did you plan a lot of this? Ahead of time? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, some of it, I, you know, some of it I planned, you know, I planned, okay. I, I, I knew young, I was going to do something with music. And then I, I knew I had to find a course there. And, you know, I was like, then I, save money and you know through high school and put myself through college and i designed the first program that combined um, you know the top music school with the top business school and then i started right away into you know working with producing shows with amazing artists from miles davis ray charles herbie hancock all of these amazing talents so i just to get myself was radio dj playing just said i'm going to get exposed and learn everything i can about this thing called music and then ways to, you know, yes, yes, ways to survive while I do it. And then I knew that, you know, that would either take me to New York or Hollywood where I could, you know, be part of the bigger um, enterprise that had the reach to reach the number of people I wanted to reach and touch. Um, so the kind of the goal points and then and then I was, you know, along the way, you know, but, you know, there wasn't a clear like. I had no idea how to do that. <laughs> yeah. like, you know, I just went and said, well, I need this to happen and this to happen. How do I put these two things? And I took the next step, you know, it was just show up fully, take it one at a time. Don't take no for an answer. You know, be mindfulness of your mission over the mindfulness of, you know, people's resistance and, sure. um, and keep going. And uh, that's still the truth to today. You know, it's like, cause it doesn't, uh, as you know, you step into these, 
vocations and and they don't come without resistance you know you're just yeah. keep climbing the mountain doesn't you know it keeps going up <laughs> yeah yeah tell us about hearables your work with hearables well we could do a whole piece on this so so i i work um in a also in a field i'm i'm became very interested in, in exponential technologies, what we call exp So I was um, working with Singularity University, which is kind of the leaders out of NASA and Silicon Valley and exponential technologies. And then because of my um, my work in health and wellness, um, I was uh, on the faculty of exponential medicine for that, um, the health side. And, and um, what I've watched over the evolution of these, since I started talking about it in 2014 is, the the growth of the capacity of things of exponential technologies ai sensors all these different um pieces and, and hearables are basically you've seen the growth of wearables but hearables are um for to make it simpler is you know wearables moving to the ear because from the human ear which is one of the most amazing pieces of technology on the human body that we have given not very much attention to um it's it's uh we can pick up more biometrics data out of your body or your health than any other place on the body any other place on the body and then probably as much and will be able to do as much as a as a small hospital room full of machines you know really so so this is um so you're going to see the wearables are starting to move to the ears people are using earbuds basically um very fancy they'll be very fancy earbuds that do everything you need them to do now you know have a phone call listen to music have high fidelity have noise cancellation but also be checking your your heart rate your you know your blood pressure your uh, all you know all these you know all these different eeg all these different ecgs all the different things that you can measure through sensors placed in the ear and then connected to this computer in your hand, your, you know, your smartphone mm -hmm. that'll respond and analyze and give you all that data on a real time basis. Anytime you want to look back at it and know like how things were affecting you, what music was, what that music that you thought you liked, what it was doing to your adrenals and your, and your, okay. and what it was doing to your, so you'd be able to basically, it's kind of using music and sound as a form of precision and personalized health um through these you know technologies and these closed loop systems right right frank it's, it's we... a big it's a big one if people really want to learn about it, they can go to amplifiedfuture.com okay. and i write a column for forbes all about it but it's it's pretty technology um it's pretty technology driven yeah right and it's right. all health on yeah fascinating well, I know your website is amplifiedbook.com. Right. So Mindful Tribe, check that out, amplifiedbook.com. And Frank, as we move forward in the interview, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. So just 30 second answers are perfect. The first one is this, who is one person who has been a powerful mindfulness influence in your life? There's been a couple, and I know I only have 30 seconds, so I'll say it quickly. Um, I had the chance to work with one of my mentors who was one of the leaders in the emotional intelligence movement back in the 80s when I was in my 20s, Dr. Jeannie Siegel. Um, and, uh, and then I did some workshops then with um, Jack Kornfield and Dan Siegel, um, who gave me kind of more specifics in the field of mindfulness. But I would say my mother. She just had this tremendous capacity to hold an awareness for her self-awareness, but for so many people 
you know, she had seven children and the house food and just her level of mindfulness and her mindfulness of her self-awareness of others and of her connection to the, the divine, which for her as a, you know, cat, devote Catholic woman was, you know, to God, were always omnipresent. Right. And that, you know, by example. Tell us how mindfulness has affected how you deal with your emotions. Um, significantly, it's uh, the e emotions. Well, I would say that yoga helped me take mindfulness out of the mind and into the body through oh. breath. And then that in combination with, you know, the work in emotional intelligence with like Dr. Jeannie Siegel and, and understanding how emotions are processed in the body. Um, and that to really be mindful, it's not just of our thoughts, it's of our entire system because our responses show up in many places in our body. And to be fully mindful, we want to be fully integrated in our awareness. So it's right. huge for me. Yeah. Right. Tell us how breathing is part of your mindfulness practice. Well, breathing, you know, we could again do a whole piece and <laughs> just breathing. Um, you know, yoga started with, you know, yoga and pranayama and breath practices and um, performance music is all about breathing and phrasing breath. And so um, mindfulness, the quickest way to mindfulness is to be mindful first of your breath, because it does what we talk about in that integration of the body and, and, the, and the mind. And from that place, if you can't have awareness of your breath, you're probably not being very mindful of other things. True enough. Frank, I really, really recommend your book, Amplified. So Thank you. Mindful Tribe, get your hands on this book. It's fantastic. You can go right to amplifiedbook.com and you can get this book. But are there any other books that you would recommend that are related to mindfulness? Well, I had a couple. Um, you know, I've, there's been many, but some I liked, you know, I, early on, I read um, Wayne Dyer's The Power of Intention, you know, mm -hmm. um, in terms of a more religious kind of deeper perspective, you know, the Bhagavad Gita, you know, different variations of that. Um, and um, there's a whole list I can right. go through, but there there's, so many, there's, two, there's so many, I, 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 I'm looking forward to seeing your list because I know you share one with your community. Yes, I do. Can you share an and, app? which can help with mindfulness? You know, for people who are, um, there's a couple for people who are starting out uh, that are, you know, that are readily available, like, you know, uh, Insight Timer, Headspace, Calm, I'll have, you know, good sort of entry places where we can get into at least getting yourself focused and calm and relaxed enough that you can begin to become mindful because meditation is basically the, the practice or it's like the, you know, it's like working that muscle of the brain <laughs> yes. that allows us to then go out in the world and try to ideally continue, continue that on a moment-to-moment -moment basis as a practice of mindfulness, right? Yeah. So those are a couple. And I, I'm going to interrupt your one moment because I want to ask one question of you before we wrap, sure. and I don't want to lose that, and I hope it's okay. But because you are a, um, a musician and because and your dedication to mindfulness and all the work you've done with people on both sides, um, what is the link for you between mindfulness and music? Well, it's a feeling. There is, without music, I don't think I would feel the whole um, depth of mindfulness. 
because mindfulness and meditation and just feeling the presence of, I don't know, the universe, just feeling a certain presence, I feel like music helps me to do that. And without music, this would be a very different universe, a very different existence, wouldn't it? It'd be yes, so absolutely. hollow and, and flat. Right. Absolutely. So, Thank you for granting me that and yeah, for sharing. You're welcome. Yeah. So as we wrap up, what words of advice would you have for anyone listening today thinking, you know, well, how would I bring music into my life? How could that help me? How could it help me thrive? What would you say to them? Well, there's an, you know, there's again, there's a, in the book, you know, but I'll give you a couple, but in the book, there's a number of different practices um, you can um, that help you bring music into a meditation practice into um, into if you're having trouble sleeping, if you're having um, if you're having challenges with relationships with your, you know, especially across generations. Um, and uh, it's it's a so there's great practical ways to apply it in those in those areas. Um, I can there's a um, at the nonprofit earthtones.org, there's also and if you go to amplifiedbook.com, I'll get you invited into that um, to that space as well. But there's also a free um, resource that we developed during COVID to help people deal with the challenges of isolation and depression in COVID specifically. And and um, so I there's a number of there's a there's a long list of pieces. And again, uh, it, each one's going to serve each individual and resonate with them a little bit differently, I would say. Sure. But I would say, you know, spend a few days, a few, few minutes a day, if you don't already, um, mindfully listening to music and and letting music pay attention to what music is actually mind. Be mindful of what it, how it's serving you, showing up for you, what it's doing for you. And um, it's a great way to be able to choose the music that's really serves you at a time that you need it to serve you for a particular purpose. Yeah, you know? good and advice. by bringing so you can bring music to mindfulness, but also I think it's very important. And one of the things I wrote the book for is to bring mindfulness to our listening of music. Yeah. Well, thank you for writing the book. Thank you for, you know, sharing this ability that you have to communicate with us because you've just really, really nailed it. You've really communicated beautifully how important music is in the world and how important it should be to every one of us, how important it can be. It's such a gift. So yes. thank you for being on mindfulness mode today. It was just absolutely fantastic, Frank. Thank you so much. Thank you, Bruce, and thank you for the amazing work you're doing. And and uh, I'm honored to be here. And and uh, I hope I gave some value to your audience. And and I hope uh, if anybody wants to reach out through me to me through that uh, site, AmplifiedBook.com, please do so. And uh, if there's any way I can help, let me know. Absolutely. You take care. Thank you. Bye now. Okay. Thanks so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com and type the guest name or the episode number into the search bar. You can also go mindfulnessmode.com slash 
whatever episode number you like. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by subscribing to Mindfulness Mode wherever you listen, whether it's on iTunes or Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, so many places you can hear Mindfulness Mode. So hit subscribe and share because that truly helps our show. And remember what I mentioned at the top of the show, this sleep naturally guided meditation that I have for you just for Mindful Tribe members. It's to help you receive the deep, easy sleep that you deserve. Sleep naturally and you'll be able to fall asleep easily, get more work done tomorrow and feel better about it. Rest comfortably without effort. Go to mindfulnessmode.com slash sleep for your free download. So remember, subscribing and sharing helps keep Mindfulness Mode on the air. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.